This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, July the 25th. I'm your host, D.A. Steve Ballmer is fired up. The owner of the Los Angeles Clippers introduces yesterday's two big fish, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which takes the Clippers from 8C to the West to perhaps the favorites to win the NBA championship. Now, Ballmer's an excitable guy, even going back to his Microsoft days where he built his fortune. But, man, I don't know if he's ever been this fired up. Have we ever heard an owner get this amped? Here's Ben and Woods on 97.3, the fan in San Diego, breaking it down. There's something sweet in it. There's something psychotic about it, which is a good combo. I'm pumped to say hello as Clippers. Come on! Come on! Come on! Get up! Come on, get up! If you were psyched as I am, get up! Yeah! That's why we're here today. We got two guys who I am so excited to have. Two guys who are, are tough. You watch them play, they're tough. I love the toughness. Two guys who every year, every year have gotten better. Every year. That's the kind of, that's, look, I'm inspired by that. Work, off-season, off-court, work, 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 work. He's got a real um, Matt Foley motivational yes, speaker. Yes, yes. I was going to say that. <laughs> Ooh, I can't uh, see too well. Is that Bill Shakespeare? I mean, oh if instead God. of a van my down by the Matt river. Foley? If, <laughs> I am 34 years old. Oh, my God. It's I so good. I am divorced. It's so good. Find, find some. It's so good. But, um, but most of all, <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's so so, good. so I have a theory, and I, I work, 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 work. <laughs> have you seen the movie Dave? Long time ago. Dave is the movie with Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein stars yeah. as the everyman who looks. He's a presidential impersonator. Yeah, he looks just like the president. And, and the president has some sort of like stroke and is unconscious, but they still want to have the power. The chief of staff, so they bring in they run him out Dave. There. <laughs> To be the president. Yeah. I feel like Steve, the real Steve Ballmer, the guy who made a fortune with Microsoft, is sitting in a coma somewhere. They found this guy he looks just like who him. looks just like him. This guy worked at Pep Boys in Chicago, <laughs> and they brought and him yes, in. And now you are a billionaire who owns the Clippers. It's amazing. Go. We just need to keep up this charade. And they have just let this guy run amok in the NBA right now, and he is having... As anyone would, the time of his life. I think, it, I, you know, again, I heard it, and I, I heard him getting panned, and I saw him getting panned, like, across the board yesterday. There is something very 
pure in that. There is something very sweet in that. There is something, a, a level of excitement that a kid feels. And I, he was just a big kid yesterday on that stage. There is nothing about that audio. Uh, it delights me. It's phenomenal audio, but there's nothing about that audio that, that makes me want to make fun of him. I um I want to listen to a little bit of Kawhi because I, I think you need I think we understand now why Kawhi Leonard chose the Clippers. Yeah. He and Steve Ballmer have identical personalities. I mean I, I, see if you can tell Steve Ballmer and Kawhi Leonard <laughs> apart. Do side by side, Paul. See one after the other. And tell me if you can even tell which one is which. <laughs> Throw one out. Let's guess. Try try one, and we'll, yeah, we'll see if we can who? guess. Who's who? Two guys who are MVP guys. Paul was having the most impressive season of the year. I know he had a little injury. That's Kawhi, right? That, that's voting. Kawhi. He was excited about playing with Paul George, I know. Play me now a little Steve Ballmer. As far as the last few years, uh, as far as a basketball standpoint, uh, the Clippers have been better. Um, you know, they've been... It's uncanny. It, it really, is. It really is. It and, um, really is uncanny. It's just, it's media. You know what I mean? Uh, you gotta love Steve Ballmer because basically, as a billionaire owner of a sports franchise, he reminds you of the old guy speed walking in your neighborhood every morning at like 6 a.m. with the headband and the wristbands and the short shorts from the early 80s, just breaking a sweat, breaking a sweat. He's fired up. He's excited. Wow, every single morning, everything is exciting. That's Steve Ballmer. And you know what? That's refreshing. That's a guy that feels and cares as much as seemingly the fans do. And don't you love to see that from crusty old billionaire owners that don't seem to have any emotion left in their body, that it's all about the business? For Ballmer to really care about winning that much, I think is refreshing and awesome. Meantime, the question remains, and it'll remain throughout the season, can the Rockets make this thing work? Paul George left the Thunder to join the Clippers, which meant the Thunder were in the selling business of Russell Westbrook, too. He ends up in Houston, and so now the Rockets have James Harden and Westbrook, two very ball-dominant players. Here's Isaiah Thomas, Basketball Hall of Famer, who joined Clinton Kamla, Clint Sterner, and Rick Kamla on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. We all love D'Antoni, and, and he's, a, he's a great coach, and, and we all do want him to succeed. And we all know that D'Antoni is very stubborn, uh, and, and his stubbornness has, is what has made him so successful. However, with this team, he's got to decide, you know, does he want to win or does he want to win his way? And if he's able to make some type of adjustments, some type of tweaks, then he may be able to win. But, you know, philosophically, the reason why you love him is because he believes in his system, his style of play, and that's what has gotten D'Antoni this far. But the, the crucial decision in terms of winning the championship, you know, will come down to, you know, do you want to win or do you want to win on your terms and your way? And you may not be able to win on your terms and your way. And if you tweak it a little bit, you may be able to win. That's a decision that he'll have to make during the course of the season. Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas joining Clint and Kamala here on Houston Sports Leader Sports Radio 610. So, Isaiah, let's dive further into that because 
Mike D'Antoni is a my way or the highway type of guy. You are saying, and I agree with you, that he needs to uh, tweak or or bend that a little bit um, and and sort of get out of his box to to actually go from uh, a great coach and, and and you know conference finals and all this kind of stuff to a guy that's actually caressing the gold ball. So, in your opinion, if he's not going to do it his way, what way should he do it? I, I can't tell you what way he should do it because none of us are are sitting in that seat coaching that team. However, I I can look at that team and assess and evaluate the talent. And I look at it from a talent, from a a team that's clearly one of the most talented teams in the NBA. And I can, and I can make the argument that if Houston doesn't get off to a bad start and they don't blow the third, the third seed, the Rockets will probably be in the finals last year but they ended up as the fourth seed and that consequently hurt everything. I think they have learned from their mistakes the last two years. And I think they will be playing at a very high level coming out of the gate in terms of changes that needs to be made or tweaked within the system. I believe that, that, that D'Antoni will make those changes and he he'll be able to see them, recognize them and put everybody in the right spots to make sure that they have ultimate success. Well, it's funny to hear Isaiah Thomas talking about stubbornness because I think he's got a few shreds of that in his DNA as well. But for Mike D'Antoni, he's just got to figure out a way for an offense to flow. And whatever that means in terms of what he conceptualized, he's going to have to do it because, let's face it, he's on a short leash anyway with the ownership. And they didn't give him the long extension and the security that he wanted. So... If D'Antoni wants to keep his job, which I think he does, he's going to have to figure out a way to be flexible with his offense and let those guys do what they do. College football in the Pac-12 has a revolutionary idea. The Pac-12 has been left behind from a national relevance standpoint. And so how to get in front of people's eyes? Well, how about playing in the noon time slot Eastern? That makes sense until you realize that that means you have to kick off at 9 Eastern on the West Coast. Could that work? Here's the butcher shot with Title and Covey on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. TV money rules the day. So are you outraged? We could call Bruce Jenkins. I'm sure he's outraged over this. But 9 a.m. football time. That means, and I can just tell you this. Now, I played D2, so um, I didn't play on TV. Sure. But... If we had a game, they're almost always at 1 o'clock. We had to be there at 7 a.m. in a coat and tie to eat breakfast together. And back then, it was all about carbs, carbs, carbs. Right, so yeah, we would have, to eat, load, yeah. have to eat lasagna for breakfast. Right. Like, <laughs> but I'm just thinking, if your game is at 9, what in the hell time do you have to – what time do you have to go to bed before? Yeah. So it sounds wonky, but they need cash. So what do you think about a 9 a.m. kickoff over at Strawberry Canyon? Yeah, to me, that seems a little extreme. Now, I got so sick of the 7.30 kickoffs, you know, with the pack, what, at 7 o'clock? I mean, it's ridiculous. I went to some Cal games. This game's like five hours. Like, dude, I'm getting out of the stadium at like midnight, and then I'm just mindful of the fact that it's 3 in the morning over on the East Coast. And, you know, the, the year Bryce Love's going big, you know that no Heisman voter on the East Coast is watching a second of Bryce Love's football game. And so that that... East Coast bias, you know, never was louder in my head than in those situations. This to me seems like a real drastic change. I mean, I don't know. Am I too far fetched in thinking that like maybe a noon kickoff might 
kind of satisfy both where you're not kicking off at like three in the morning on the East Coast, but you're not making your players eat lasagna for breakfast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they still do that, by the way. It was a long time. It was 30 years ago. But, but doesn't that but, seem a little <clears throat> asinine? I mean, whose body clock? What football players want to play football at nine in the morning? And what fan wants to get out of bed at like 7 a.m.? Yeah, that's that's the thing, too. Hey. No one, what, yeah, I'm gonna tailgate? Like you're you're going to go to some like you know right-wing Christian wedding that's at 7 a.m. Have you ever gone to one of those? No. Oh, bless them, by the way. Um, Stanford, it's funny, I was, remember talking a couple of years ago to this uh, a writer on the East Coast, and he said that whole thing about people being asleep. Nowadays, if you really are a Heisman voter and you want to be educated, all you got to do is go on YouTube and look at everybody's highlights. But it's you think not about the Stanford. Same. I know it's not the same, but I'm just saying the excuses they use, that is lazy if you say, oh, I went to bed, and you are a voter. You, I mean, on these are East Coast people, but you think about Heisman runner-ups like Luck and Gerhardt and McCaffrey and touchdown Tommy Vardell and Brad Muster. None of these guys got on TV uh, back then. But, uh, yeah, that's the thing about the East Coast. I remember I was talking to Fortinball about this. You know, they said, out here, NFL Sunday, we wake up, even if you're hungover, first game's at 10. You're good. Have yeah. a little lunch, mm-hmm. watch the second game. Now it's dinner time. I said, when you wake up in Philly, your first game is at 1. It's, you, and he's it's like, so annoying. And he says, it sucks so bad. You got The only good thing about living on the East Coast is you're closer to Europe. That is the only thing I can think of. Yeah. I mean, I love I love Manhattan. I could live in Manhattan, but that to me is like the only really perk right there. Can you imagine being a Yankee fan? And if you want to see what happens, you're, you're in extra innings at the Coliseum. It's 2.45 in the morning. Right. What, the, what are you doing? But there, there's really no way to solve this, you know, because what are you going to do? Like start the games earlier here? Then nobody will be able to show up because all the damn traffic. So it's it, the reality is for – College football in particular, because pro sports, it is what it is. But for college football in particular, those games are so long, and because there's Heisman voters over there, it just it seems only fair that these games would get on a little early. But I don't know about 9 in the morning. That's a little ridiculous. Come on, Lawrence, tighten it up. I think it might be fine for some of the students, but it's already hard enough getting students to go to football games. We hear Nick Saban griping and grousing about this all the time. Are you now going to be able to get them to games to begin at 9 a.m.? And then secondly, how many fans can you get to these games? I mean, are you going to be able to fill up a stadium that's 60 or 70,000 seats at 9 a.m.? Is it going to be a late-arriving crowd at like 11 a.m. for after halftime of the second half? Now, if this is just a television ploy, just to get better viewership numbers, then perhaps that's all that matters, kind of like the bowl games that are played that the schools and the conferences make money on and the television networks make money on before they even sell a ticket. Maybe that's what this whole bit is, but I still got to think that it's going to be tough getting people to stadiums by 9 a.m. local time. But at least the Pac-12 is trying to be creative because they have fallen off the map when it comes to competing for the playoffs of the national championship, except they might have the Heisman Trophy winner in Eugene. Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert joined Isaac and Souk on 1080 The Fan in Portland at Pac-12 Media Days. So sometimes, um, you know, decisions for a kid to go pro are easy. Maybe not that hard. For you, it seemed like, from afar, it seemed like it was really close. Was it? It was tough. It was. It's a tough tough situation to be put into, and, and uh, that's a big decision to make. But uh, luckily I had a great support system around me and, and uh, ultimately led me to make my decision. What went into the decision? whole bunch of things whole whole lot of reasons that, that drove me to come back i think uh, one of them is is that we, we didn't finish the way we wanted to last year i think we were playing really good football at the beginning of the year 
Um, kind of slipped off at the end, but a uh, whole bunch of reasons. My younger brother's coming in and, and don't want to give him that much credit, but it, <laughs> it did play into it. And um, Just staying home and another year of college that, that you can't get back. Let's talk about that because you guys at times last year looked like you had arrived. The first half at Stanford was about as good as I've seen this football team play in years. Second half didn't go your way. You had the bad breaks. You had the breakthrough win at Washington, and you're like, okay, the team's arrived, and then you know, Washington State happened. What was the the missing component for the consistency of this team last year? I think one of the things is we just we weren't used to winning. Uh, we won a couple of games, and we, and we like you said, we we arrived, and and uh, I, I wish that we would have been able to play a full season. Um, but uh, we did play some good games, and I think that's something that we're looking at and, and wanting to improve on. So, how do you, as the leader, obviously being the quarterback, you're you're the default, you're the go-to guy. How do you avoid that pitfall again this year? Yeah, we have to take every practice like like it's the most important game of our lives. Um, we can't we can't slip up in practice. We can't have a bad period, and, and we can't let it get behind. So um, it's just taking every opportunity we get and making the most of it. When you look at what you have coming back on offense, you bring back arguably the best offensive line in the country. You got four All Americans. You got a couple solid backs. You got supposedly the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. Two NFL tight ends. The, the last component, receivers, are we going to find, uh, you know, last year outside of a Dylan Mitchell, there, you didn't really have the, yeah. uh, the, the consistent. So is that the only real question mark on this offense right now? Um, I think, I, like you said, I think the offensive line is about as good as it gets. Um, great offensive line and running backs, they, three or four guys that can step in. And that's a great problem to have. But uh, I think the receivers, they've, they've really stepped up this year. A um, bunch of guys have stepped up. And like I said, Jawan Johnson, he's stepped up. And um, Micah Pittman. Uh, Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson, Brendan Schooler, those guys are solid, and they've done a great job this offseason. That J- Johnson's the Penn State kid. Yep. Um, yeah, handicap him. I mean, he looks like, on film, he just he looks like a beast. He's uh, he's a massive human being. He's a great guy on and off the field as well. And, um, I don't think Oregon has seen too many six foot five, six foot six receivers like him in a while. Nice little security blanket for you maybe, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah it, it helps for sure. Like seriously. It, in the spring game, he, he made some plays that, that uh, not too many people can. Obviously, you had a connection last year with, again, with Dylan Mitchell. You guys seem to look for him quite a bit. Talk us through the, the, the process of becoming comfortable. Are there certain guys that eventually you just get in a rhythm with that, that seem to work better than, than others, or is it literally just go through progressions and, and see where it takes you? Yeah, it's all about timing. It's it's guys that you, that you play with and, and you throw with in the offseason, and, and uh, that's kind of what we've done. Brendan Schooler, Johnny, Jalen, uh, Juwan, we've all thrown so much this offseason. We've, we've got a really good feel for each other. So um, throwing any of those guys out there, it's they, they can make a play for sure. This is Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, what game are you look, most looking forward to this year? Shoot, I, I there are going to be a lot of them. I think uh, probably the Auburn one is is going to be a great opportunity, prime time, and and uh, really looking forward to that one. I think it, it. I mean, that's why you came here, right? Everyone always says oh, every game's the same, but I mean, Jerry's world in Dallas, Auburn, the SEC, that has to put a little extra pep in the step, right? It doesn't get much better than that. That's it's it'll be a fun test, a good test for us for sure. And Herbert is must watch television. This kid has a huge arm, he's composed, he's got a tremendous build, and he's going to play an offense that's allowing him to really take advantage of his skill set. And he could be the number one or number two draft pick in the draft coming up in the NFL in April. So there's definitely reasons to watch Oregon Ducks football, plus Mario Cristobal has this school and the program headed what we think in the right direction. So it's great news in Quackland to have Herbert coming back, but is he going to have to play it? 9 a.m.? No, it's not going to happen this year, but 
Are quarterbacks like him going to have to play at 9 a.m. in the Pac-12 in future years? Herbert can only hope to be a quarterback that makes a splash like Patrick Mahomes in college, then also in the NFL. And for Mahomes, last year's MVP, I mean, who's to say that he can't be just as good this upcoming season? In fact, maybe he's going to be even better. And he's one of the most exciting quarterbacks we have seen in the NFL in a long time. So should he be the number one selling jersey? Well, apparently he's only the sixth highest selling jersey. And this has some in Kansas City rattled and angry. Here's 610 Sports Radio in KC with Show and Vern. Based off a two-month stretch from March to May, Patrick Mahomes coming in sixth place. I want to... Sixth place. I want to. I want people to hear that. Like, think about that. For the last two months, coming in at sixth place. Like I, I, sometimes I'm not sure we, we get there, but I think this is a time where moments like this should let us know around. <laughs> I thought you were going Kelly Clarkson on me. I was with you if you were going there. Moments like this should let people know here where the Chiefs stand at a national level, if you don't know, and where Patrick Mahomes stands. Because that, to me, Vern, is crazy. And borderline ridiculous. When you look at the people who are in front of them, and I'm not saying from a standpoint that I don't understand because at a national level, it, it, it makes sense. But still, like Patrick Mahomes, we, we've talked about it. He may be the hottest thing in the league. All right? He's only been in the league really that we know him, people really know him of for a year. All right? He's, it's his second year in the NFL, but nobody really knew him at a big level until he went and just took over the league. He is the reigning defending MVP. He is the guy who collected, as Andy said, a bunch of honors mm-hmm. the other day. He has been everywhere. He signed with Adidas. He's making commercials. He's throwing balls out of stadiums. He's got Brittany. He's at Texas Tech Final Four games. They just had a camera on him. He's everywhere. Everywhere. Fallon, Kimmel. He is accepting awards at the ESPYs and then doing a terrible job of giving away awards at the ESPYs. But he's everywhere. Baker Mayfield is in front of him. Baker. Baker? Baker in Cleveland. Baker is ahead of him. Sam Darnold is ahead of him. Khalil Mack, Odell, and Tom Brady. I t- I can understand so Odell So what the hell's Baker. the problem? It's just, it, I think it should just let us know. Like, let people know. We think, like, he's the face of the league. I don't know that he's there yet. If he's the face of the league coming off the year that he had, and we look at this, jersey sales is a big portion of this. You look at this, it's still vastly a new jersey. Tom Brady, Tom Brady's been, his jersey hasn't changed. His no, jersey hasn't Tom changed. Tom Brady, hang on, what are you saying right now? Three months of sales, Patrick Mahomes is in the top ten. That's worth celebrating. I, I don't he view should. it as if it is not high enough. Oh, it isn't. It should. I mean, it should you be. You finally got your golden boy, and he's doing golden boy things. He's rubbing elbows with Tom Brady, the New York quarterback, and Khalil Mack, Odell Beckham Jr. This is where he belongs. He, he belongs be- in the top ten. I, he belongs in that six spot. When I look, no, I don't think. I, I think... The only person 
that I think that I could justify with everything that he had last year and this offseason. The only person I could justify is Odell because he's a star in the league and he has and he's switched teams. And a lot of times you see teams like Khalil Mack when he switched to the Bears, a lot of people went out and bought new stuff because he was this is this yeah, is and new. Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. So people want more merchandise with Tom Brady's name or Tom Brady's face I'll on it. I'll even give you Tom. Although Khalil, that's a new team as well. It's still not it still hasn't been a full calendar year of him being a Chicago Bear, so people want to grab that jersey. So that makes sense. That doesn't make sense over over him. He's not a brand Chicago, new team. Chicago. He's a brand new. Chicago. But this is but this is the this is the star of the league. This is when you know Kansas City is an amazing football town. Is when they are bothered and talking about where Mahomes' jersey ranks in sales. I mean, look, I know you guys are chomping at the bit for football season. I know you guys cannot wait until training camp opens up and preseason is here and you can finally see your beloved Chiefs back of the football field. But Mahomes is the six-selling jersey. I mean, honestly... It's not that big a deal. If he is the 36th leading jersey in terms of sales but wins a Super Bowl, nobody's going to care. I think it's just that Kansas City is not a huge market, so you don't have a ton of jerseys being bought nationally or locally like a Cowboys jersey would, like a Steelers or a Packers jersey would, like a Patriots jersey would. It just kind of comes with the territory. But if Mahomes wins Super Bowls, even if he just wins one, oh, it'll be plenty high. And finally, offensive lineman for the Titans, Taylor Lewan, ends up failing the banned substance test, and so he's going to miss time to begin this season. Here's Giannato and Jeffrey on WMFS 92.9 in Memphis. From Nashville, Tennessee, Tennessee Titans left tackle Taylor Lewan is facing a suspension after a test came up positive for the banned substance Osterin. 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 According to a post he made via social media, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter that Lawan's A sample tested positive this summer, but the results of his B sample are still pending and have yet to come back from the lab. Lawan, who can dispute the test's results in an appeal, said he didn't knowingly use a banned sub- substance and posted apparent polygraph results on Instagram. Here was that social media post that he made today. My name's Taylor Lewan. I'm the left tackle for the Tennessee Titans. And I'm making this video so it comes from me and from nobody else. And it doesn't leave anything up for interpretation. I received a letter from the NFL a few weeks ago saying that I failed a drug test for Austrian. Austrian is a supplement banned from WADA in 2007. It's known as a SARM. Uh, the way the CBA works is a strict liability policy. So I'm completely responsible for the things that are in my body, whether the supplement I'm taking has it on the label or not. I want everybody to know that I've never taken the supplement knowingly and I've never cheated the game and I never will. I have notes. Those things don't really matter. What really is important to me is that people know that I'm not a cheater. I went and did a polygraph test about Austrian and knowingly taking it and I passed that test. I've never taken anything that would cheat the game. I'm so sorry to the Tennessee Titans. It's just hard. I'm sorry to the Titans and the fans that I won't be there for four games. I've never uh, cheated myself, and I never wanted you guys to feel cheated. And I'm sorry, but uh, I'm going to be better for this. I'm going to come back. I got my, my supplements tested by a third party, um, I'll, and 
Uh, I'll release that polygraph. There's also been letters on the UFC, Clemson, and other NFL players that have failed for Austrian as well. I'll make public. Um, and I'll do whatever I can to prove that I've never done anything wrong in regards to supplements or taking anything knowingly. Um, thank you so much for watching this video. And thank you to everyone who supports me. He sounds very sincere Yeah, in it, the video. It, it seems pretty obvious to me that he, I do think he unknowingly took this substance, knowing Taylor Lewan and just his history and his, how competitive he is. I don't think that he would put out a video like this and do a polygraph test and do all that kind of thing if he knowingly actually took the substance. Now, I mean, we, we heard him last week yeah. say what he would do for an NFL Super champion yeah. for, for a Super Bowl. Do you think he would do that to not have that four-game suspension? Do you think he would cut off... You know what? To, yeah. To so what? Four games. Would he cut it off, if you will, to win or to win this appeal? Well, Taylor Lewan asked Vrabel if That's he true. would, if he would, and Vrabel said he would. Would Vrabel cut it off to have Taylor Lewan for those first four games? Well, the first four games include the Browns, the Colts, the Jags, and the Falcons. Ooh, that's not easy. I'm gonna say Lewan also said he wouldn't do it for a Super Bowl. So. I find it hard to believe he if he wouldn't do it for a Super Bowl. I find it hard to believe that he would wouldn't do it for four games. That's true. I mean, I guess you believe Taylor Lewan, but ultimately, how can any of these players be taken seriously when they've only got one responsibility? Don't fail tests. That's it. That's your one responsibility. Don't put something in your body that you don't know what it is. No supplements. No nothing from over the counter. As long as you don't know what's in it. As long as you don't know what is in that supplement, you cannot take it because that is your livelihood. That is two, four, six games. I mean, that's a month of the season for Taylor Lewan. You can't do it. And you can say, I didn't know all you want, but it, it's going to fall on deaf ears because we know that's the only thing you are responsible for, making sure you don't take something unknowingly that's on that band list. That's the best of your sports talk for Thursday, July the 25th, and we'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.